Let's talk Bitcoin listeners. It's now time for The Startup. The Startup is a show featuring the founders of new companies. We want to discover how they took an idea and transformed it into a marketable product or service. Starting a business is challenging and rewarding. Our goal is to gain insight into the mind of entrepreneurs on their journey to success. Well, welcome to The Startup. Today, I have the CEO of FoldApp.com. His name is Matt Luongo. Matt, introduce yourself. Hey. Hey, good to, good to be talking to you guys. Uh, well, I'm Matt Luongo. Uh, I, I run Fold, where we can save you 20% off your coffee when you spend Bitcoin. Um, yeah, I'm just excited to be, uh, to be on today. Okay. Well, thanks, Matt. How did you get started in, in Bitcoin? Yeah, sure. So uh, I actually got started later than a lot of people. Um, so I got in, let's see, maybe so I first started getting interested in mid-2013 uh, with the price run up. Um, but really, I had been interested in, I, I had this like side project with gift cards, uh, you know, years before. Okay. And so uh, I had some downtime and... I realized, you know, the reason the project hadn't gone well is because I didn't have a good way to get paid. Everything that I'd, I'd originally tried was, was crap. So I revisited it and I said, okay, well, what if, uh, what if I tried Bitcoin? So originally I launched cardforcoin.com, which is, uh, the sister site to fold, uh, where we were buying people's gift cards for Bitcoin. And then, uh, I, I got my co-founders on board. We've all worked on startups together before. Uh, Chris and Corbin, and we realized that we had this opportunity to uh, to let people spend their Bitcoin in stores, not just speculate, but get you know concrete value out of using Bitcoin as a currency today. So when you say with gift cards, what gift cards were you accepting in exchange for your service? So uh, initially we were just buying Starbucks cards, so you know we we collected a whole a whole ton of them, and uh, we thought it was you know fitting that we would also sell them for Bitcoin. Um, and since then, we've started buying all sorts of other stuff in preparation for Fold's uh, new brand rollout. Coffee app is just the first product that you have under the Fold umbrella? That's exactly right. So the plan is uh, when we publicly launch the mobile app, we'll include Target and Whole Foods support as well. And we've also been working on Walmart, Home Depot, and, and a couple other brands. To be able to use your app, how would I as a oh, consumer? Sure. The only part we haven't quite nailed down yet is if you don't have Bitcoin, what do you do? Uh, you know, for the sake of the discussion, let's just say you've got Bitcoin. You're, next time you're at Starbucks, you can go to coffee.foldapp.com on your phone. And uh, it'll say, you know, here you can get uh, 5 10 or $20 and we'll give you 20% off. If you choose, for example, the $10 option... It'll bring up a QR code um, that says, you know, just spend $8 in Bitcoin, uses the Coinbase exchange rate, because most of our users are most familiar with it. And then you just tap the QR code, or for some people, copy the address. That's pretty unfortunate. Ideally, you just tap the barcode. It takes you to your wallet. You press send. You go back to uh, your browser. You'll see a little pulser, and then you'll see a barcode. And then you order your coffee, scan your phone. Starbucks has these scanners that are kind of facing their customers. Okay. And uh, that's it. You paid. There'll be a beep. Your Bristol will tell you you paid. You're ready to go. That sounds pretty simple. Yeah, it's so, pretty straightforward. Okay. Um, a difference from how we work and a lot of other kind of similar apps that people are used to is, you know, I mentioned gift cards earlier, but 
ideally, people who use our app don't know anything about gift cards. What they know about is that they're spending Bitcoin and saving money. We actually don't make you, like, if you have, like, a $10 uh, credit and you only spend, say, $6 of that, you can also hit refund and get your change back in Bitcoin. Uh, okay. That's pretty neat. That's pretty neat. Yeah. So to so say, for instance, I'm at Walmart, right? Because you, you mentioned Walmart is uh, another yeah, one sure. of the retailers that you want to bring on. Sure. If I'm at Walmart, how would I scan the QR code? I scanned it on their uh, POS reader as well. That's exactly right. Yeah. So um, so with Walmart, it's a little different because uh, some of the Walmart stores have older hardware. Okay. Uh, but for most Walmart stores, you're just going to Go through. You can't do self checkout, unfortunately. You have to go through a regular, uh, a regular line, and okay. then you just tell the cashier uh, that you've got a voucher, and you uh, show your phone, and they scan it. Um, and then, you know, some WalMarts are older; they'll just type the number in. So either way, the cashier takes it, um, and you pay. Well, when do you anticipate these other uh, retailers coming on board as a part of your rollout? <laughs> That's the million dollar question. Um, so we really want to nail this first mobile experience. I've been frustrated because I can't wait to release this app, but I want it to be perfect. You know, the plan is it's it's going to go out this year. It's going to be going out in 2015. What we might have to do is kind of change the feature set up a little bit for some brands so we can make sure that, that we have enough for people. For example, what we might do to make things a little faster is when, uh, when we release a new brand initially, uh, we'll only release it to, you know, our early, early beta testers and kind of do slow rollouts instead of just releasing it to the public. But I'm really excited about, like, I want people to be able to get those discounts for the holidays. So. Okay, so take advantage of Black Friday's coming up. That's exactly right. All right. So you have an Android app available right now? No, no. So we just have a web app available right now at coffee.foldapp.com. Okay. Um, and the Android app is going to land first. Um, okay. And then we've got an iOS app that's a little further behind. You spoke a little bit about uh, one of the other uh, team members. Uh, can you tell me a little bit sure. about him? I'll tell you about my two co-founders. Corbin and I have worked on startups in the past. We worked on another one out of Atlanta called Scholarly. Uh, and then since then, we've kind of, you know, just kind of collaborated on projects back since college. Um, okay. So Corbin is a developer and an operations guy and does a little bit of everything kind of helps us uh, bring disorder or bring order to the disorder, you know? Um, and then Chris is my CTO. Um, and so, you know, he's got great technical chops. Uh, I've also known him since college and we just, we all love working on projects together. So it was a pretty natural fit. Okay. Now, are you a developer yourself or no? Yep. Yeah. We all have a technical background. So this is your second startup with these two guys as well? That's right. Okay. Now, what happened to the first startup? Originally, the first startup was an academic search engine. So, you know, even in that blurb, you can tell, like, it's really hard to make money in that space. So, you know, we, we died uh, one of the usual ways. We uh, were light on runway and we just couldn't do it anymore. Okay. Uh, we also had some, you know, some family stuff intervene a little bit. Okay. So just pretty typical startup death. But, you know, what we learned from it, was, you know, as much as we love building great products for people and as much as people love great products, if there's not a sustainable economy powering that product, you don't know what's going to happen. Okay. And so I think, you know, that was a real lesson we learned is we still love consumer products. You know, we're working on one right now, 
But first and foremost, we want to have unit economics that can scale. We don't just want to be, you know, a weekend project. Got it. Got it. Okay. Now, earlier you had mentioned that uh, you you started out in Atlanta and now you're out in uh, San yep. Mateo. Are you mm-hmm. a part of an incubator out there or tell me yeah, how, to, how yes. to transition? Sure. So, um, yeah, so we, we joined Boost VC back at the beginning of February and spent three months out here. Um, Boost is run by Adam Draper, Brayton. Um, you know, it's, it's a great team and, and basically it's an accelerator that until this last batch has just been focused on Bitcoin. So, yeah, I mean, what, what we loved about it is that they really understood our business and what we were trying to accomplish and okay. the connections that they were able to, you know, give us in the industry was really powerful. Okay. So did you all have to exchange equity as a part of being? Uh... Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's a, it was a pretty standard um, accelerator type deal. Okay. Now, without getting to the, to the specifics on the funding, if, sure. if if you don't want to, but sure. just walk us a bit through that that process of of getting funded, and you know, explain to our listeners, you know, what does getting funded mean? How does the process work, and how do you all navigate it being your first time doing? It? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll keep it kind of kind of vague, but um, okay. <laughs> while trying to be helpful. <laughs> um. Yeah. So are you thinking? Do you mostly mean like accelerator level or seed level, or you know, what are you most interested in? Well, both actually. So, say for instance, okay. well, how did you even find out about VC, um, Boost VC, and how did they contact oh, sure. you? And then, from the, sure. from the standpoint of just doing your due diligence, and what did you discover? Uh, how did you sure. evaluate them, and all of that? Sure. So, so here's here's kind of kind of our story, right? So, um, we had been through an accelerator at our last company, Beta Spring, um, okay. up in Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, great group of people, um, and I and I wish we could have worked together. Again, um, but you know, it's up in Providence. <laughs> we enjoyed that experience and, and we kind of thought maybe this time around we didn't need to do an accelerator. Um, because you know, how these programs, I mean, every program is very different, has a different focus, but a lot of what you get out of the program, um, at least what we got was kind of like the sort of stuff that you would get through like a hard knocks business school. <laughs> Okay. We learned we learned a lot of um, a lot of terminology that we needed to run a business, um, you know, and and then different accelerators have different focuses. Like some are very much about the product, okay, and others are for more established businesses. Um, for example, that's a common a common difference you hear between TechStars and Y Combinator is that YC is going to be a lot more for a lot more about product, um, and and Techstars is just, you know, the, typically the uh, people who get in are a little more established. Okay. Um, so for us, the reason we chose Boost, uh, originally way back in May uh, of 2014, we actually had a Y Combinator interview. Um, and it, it went pretty well, uh, except right at the end, um, I got tripped up and kind of put my foot in my mouth about uh, about some regulatory stuff. Okay. And, and we came off sounding, I mean, anyone who runs a Bitcoin company would be familiar with this. Like we just, we just came off sounding a lot riskier than, than a typical startup. Okay. So okay. anyway, so that, that was kind of a lesson that, that unless you're talking to someone who's familiar with our space, right. it's, it's really hard for them to judge 
judge the risk and, you know, and kind of under, understand the dynamics. So, you know, after that, we said, well, we don't need funding. Um, okay. we, have, we have a good business right now. Let's run it. So we did. Um, and the plan was to keep doing that. But, you know, when I talked to the guys from Boost, uh, we just got really excited. They know Bitcoin and they have what I felt like we were missing in Atlanta, which is a deep support network. So in Atlanta, we have our family and our friends. Uh, a lot of the people that I want to hire are in Atlanta. Right. Right. But what we don't have are like, you know, BitPay's in Atlanta, but that's it. There's no, I don't accidentally run into someone from a big Bitcoin company who can kind of like really change my day in Atlanta. We came out here and we did Boost and, and, and we're doing the whole West Coast thing just because we're trying to optimize for serendipity. I mean, not that long ago, actually. I had a founder of another big Bitcoin company walk into our office and uh, I just like, it was, it was like nine o'clock at night. I just happened to be one of the last guys there. And he, okay. I just like look up and he goes, Hey Matt, what's up? Like, this is perfect. It's nine o'clock at night. Neither of us are doing anything. I happen to be in the neighborhood and it gave us an opportunity to talk about a partnership. So it, it's hard, it's hard to get that outside of, um, you know, the Valley and, and you know, maybe New York. Yeah, that, that was that was that was one of my questions. Uh, why couldn't you get it going in Atlanta? But but you answered that. Yeah. It was great. What you do have in Atlanta, and what I love about Atlanta, and the reason I'm going to be coming back, is you have the creativity, and you have you have the um, you have the people who build things. Okay. And you know, so I really like that. Yeah, one of the things too, specifically about Georgia, is that they have the uh, the crowdfund exemption. Um, are you familiar mm -hmm. with that? A little bit. I know I know people are excited about it. Um, probably not enough to speak intelligently about it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. From what I understand, it's, there was an exemption for companies to raise funds, uh, for small mm -hmm. businesses through the, um, like the crowdfunding act that the federal one right. hasn't, hasn't had all the legislation around it, but they've put rules right. together for Georgia, uh, based companies to oh, go that's ahead cool. and, and raise funds. So that's, that's a good thing. So, uh, just wasn't sure if you're yes. familiar with that or not. No, that's really um, exciting. Um, I know everyone's kind of waiting for the SEC to actually do its job here. <laughs> so with Boost, is there a term length of how long you're in accelerator program before you graduate or how does that work? Boost is a three month program. Either you graduate after two months or, you know, really you never graduate, right? Well, so you mentioned that you're going to be coming back to Atlanta. So that's once you uh, finish this three month uh stint with a uh, boost then you're headed back this way and then you'll just oh no no i think it's going to be a little bit longer than that so so first we already finished our our original stint with boost um and now we are working out of an office nearby so what i'm thinking is i think we need to be here as an opportunity to meet with other people in the bitcoin space okay and um and you know focus on partnerships and kind of the stuff you have to do at this stage but I'm still planning on building a lot of the team out in Atlanta just because I think the talent there is so great. Now, do you partner with any of the uh, academic institutions in Atlanta to help you find your, your tech talent, or is it just basically guys that you went to school with and their network and stuff like that? So officially, no, um, but all of us went to tech. <laughs> yeah, we definitely kind of lean that direction. But yeah, I think I think it's just at the stage we're at, you know, where we have we have four people full time, seven people total working on this. Mm -hmm. uh, you really have to leverage your personal network. 
And then sure. I think, you know, you start hitting 15, 20 people. Um, that's when you have to get a little more formal about your hiring process. So you, you spoke a bit about the about how you got involved with uh, Boost VC. Now, yeah. from a funding perspective, where are you in that path and, and what's next from, from a funding perspective? Or do you even need funds at this point? Investors um, sure. First. So, yeah, yeah. Um, the question about whether or not we're going to raise again is a question I'm asking myself, right? We're in a convenient position where we have revenue right now. And, mm-hmm. uh, and we are, you know, able to stay in the business. So, um, yeah, so I, I guess that's a bit, that's a big question for me that, that I'm having to think about right now. Help me with this. So I know that starting a business is hard and you've had to relocate. And you talked about uh, a bit before with the first startup that you had some personal things going on. What would you say is the one of the the challenges that you face just with relocating, uh, going out there from from Atlanta to San Mateo, and getting involved with Boost and sure. BC project? Just what has been you know one or two of your hardest challenges? Sure. Well, I think you know the number one drag is uh, leaving my family. My wife's okay. and uh, she definitely couldn't leave mid year. <laughs> That's pretty frowned upon from February until the summer. You know it was. Long distance couple. Okay. <laughs> that was really tough. And then I think, I mean, this might just, I don't know if it's a journal advice or not, but for me, uh, when I'm in a new place, if, if you have something where you're going to meet people, uh, like for us, it was boost, then right. that's great. But a lot of the time when you move to a new place, you have to be really motivated, uh, while you're still new to make friends and network and stuff like that. Okay. Um, okay. So luckily, I think boost helped us a lot with that. And then another one is, you know, when you move, this is my second time moving for the company to, to, to do an accelerator. And it's really hard to remember to do things like exercise. And okay. it's, it, yeah, it sounds, it sounds like it's not that important, you know, when we're talking about like our business and, uh, and, you know, like revenue and, and, and growth and all of those stuff. But yeah, I think that that's just one of those things where you have to remember to take care of yourself, even if you are moving across the country to start this new thing. Uh, that's that's some good insight. Um, I appreciate you sharing that. The magic word for this episode is coffee. That's C-O-F-F-E-E. Go to letstalkbitcoin.com and enter the magic word to receive your reward. Now, back to the show. Here's a question that I like to ask uh, founders. What is your other passion? If you had to do something else, what would you be doing now? Oh, man. Uh, so many answers. Um, let's see. Well, so so the honest answer is I would be working on another startup. I, I've got the bug and, uh, you know, <laughs> so, you know, but if, but if we get that out of the way. Um, well, no, no, but that's fine. So would it, but yeah. would it be in the same, would it be in the same industry or, I mean, you at, sure. are you at liberty to talk about it or is it just, just. Oh, a, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I think, yeah, I've got a whole, a whole slew of uh, other things. Right. But um, I think, I think right now I'm a big fan of the industry we're in because I feel like Bitcoin is at that point uh, where it's really going to start making sense to people. Okay. And I don't think, I don't think that the user interface is there. I don't think, you know, uh, it's just like the early web metaphors, um, like 
we can't hear enough of that. So, uh, so I do think it would be hard for me to not work in this particular industry right now, just because of where it is. Um, but you know, I think a lot of people, uh, I think that there are a lot of other industries right now that are kind of like that. Like we're seeing some really exciting things in biotech. Um, now I don't have the experience to work on that, <laughs> right? But uh, but I, but I guess I I like to work in a space where I think uh, you know it could really improve people's lives uh, drastically, and I think that um, I think that Bitcoin represents a uh, a serious revolution of finance, and I'm looking forward to being a part of that. Okay, so if you were to um, look ahead, say. For the adoption curve of Bitcoin to to reach um, more of a mainstream um, yep. usage, how, how much longer do you think we have before we, <laughs> we hit that? You, you just want to make me a liar. No, no. I mean, it's hey, everybody's wrong, but everybody has an opinion. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think right now this is a very interesting time to ask that question because. There are debates about, you know, what is Bitcoin? Is it a settlement network? Is it for payments? Um, I think, I think with, with what we do, it's pretty clear that we, uh, we look at it as a currency and a way okay. to pay people. Okay. Um, but instead of giving you the prediction you want, I'm going to say that <laughs> if Bitcoin is going to succeed as a currency, um, what we need to do uh, you know, people say like focus on use cases and all this stuff. Maybe right. that's that's true, but the thing that I think we need the most is we need to provide an actual consumer grade user experience. Right now, if you use Bitcoin, you can't avoid these uh, these 32 digit like strings that you, that you are constantly looking at, and right. um, and these transaction hashes and all sorts of like long alphanumeric strings, and that's not like you know, if I if I'm trying to convince my mom to get into Bitcoin, that's not going to do it. Right. Bitcoin needs a, a AOL friendly app. You know what I mean? That, like kind exactly, of what AOL yeah. did I mean, for the internet. That's, yeah. No, I think that's app. I think I think it needs that initial friendly, and, and it might not be the best, but it needs it needs that initial layer. I mean, like I'm really excited, for example, about what NetKey's done because I think um, I think the Bitcoin addresses are atrocious. Uh, okay. and, and I can't wait to see them replaced, uh, or at least like kind of covered over and left for, for developers. Yeah. I even think, you know, it's funny because like, um, as we built our own, uh, Bitcoin, uh, payment interface, we realized that there are a lot of problems that it seems like should be solved, even from our relatively informed perspective that aren't. For example, you know, if, if an app, uh, pays, if, you know, if someone uses their wallet to pay us, we need a refund address, and that's not a universally solved problem in Bitcoin payments right now. Only you know some percent of wallets are able to give you that. You know another another issue we had until we started processing our own payments was that almost every payment processor um, really punishes a user if they send the wrong amount of Bitcoin. Okay. So if you send the wrong amount, uh, for most processors, your money kind of goes into this limbo. And you're going to have to reach out to customer support. But I mean, imagine if we did that at a coffee shop with like cash, right? You know, that would be a real problem. Um, and I think related to all that, it's really hard for people, uh, at, uh, for example, at POS systems, 
you know, if you do go to a coffee shop and they do accept Bitcoin, the people who run the coffee shop, you know, they don't really know what's going on. It's pretty opaque. And so right. uh, I think that's just the other side of user experiences, both for the both for the retailer and for the consumer. It's it's still pretty rough. Well, I know you've heard about the uh, the block size debate. Where do you mm-hmm. stand on that? And having a, a vested stake in this, uh, did it concern yeah. you when the Bitcoin XT was proposed as a fork? Yeah. So, so as someone who holds Bitcoin, <laughs> um, it certainly concerned me. Uh, from the perspective of our business, you know, the way, the way we went about this, you know, if it's not Bitcoin, if it's Bitcoin XT, uh, you know, we can work just as well as Bitcoin XT. So from the business perspective, I wasn't, I wasn't that worried. I just feel like we need to stay on top of it. I definitely think that we can, that Bitcoin can continue to be a payment network. And that's what I would like to strive for. I think that there are a lot of compelling arguments on both sides. And, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I, I, uh, Peter Todd actually came to Boost VC and he kind of gave his pitch before, before everything was at this, uh, as fevered as it is now, he kind of pitched us on, um, on some security issues that he saw with Bitcoin. And he, he was talking partially about block size and, and he had me convinced that, you know, the block size name just stay small. And, but then the more and more I thought about it, um, you know, the other side has a lot of really good arguments too. So I think, I think what really needs to happen is we need to chill out. <laughs> I think that um, right now Bitcoin has the opportunity to really capture mainstream attention. We're already seeing a lot. We're seeing things from uh, from banks, obviously, from from Fidelity. Uh, recently, we heard some rumblings, and I think that we kind of need to uh, to get it together and stop squabbling. And I think uh, efforts like scaling, the Scaling Bitcoin Conference are really going to help us kind of focus on, look, this is an engineering problem first. Right. And and that we need to kind of keep a unified face when we're talking to people outside the community. Now, I have one other question for you on the, yeah, on, on the FOAT application. Do you ever plan on accepting uh, other cryptocurrencies besides Bitcoin? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Um, so I think what... Uh, what Eric has done, Eric Forty's has done with Shapeshift is really cool. Right. Um, so I have, cons- we've considered doing something like that. Um, on the flip side, you know, more than anything, we want this user experience to be good and the, and the, and adding more currencies is not going to improve the user experience. So I think my stance okay. right now is, uh, I really want to focus on getting this right and, uh, if we think that we're in that direction, I mean, it's, you know, it's a moving target. But if we if we think if we think we're close, uh, then I I'm totally open to having like an advanced mode, because really how I see the world is we should always be able to spend anything. <laughs> you okay. know, there's there's no reason you shouldn't be able to spend your airline miles uh, to get coffee. So yeah, so I, I'm all for it. Uh, I have no idea when we'll do it. <laughs> okay. Now, other than Bitcoin. Are you all going to issue like your own uh, cryptocurrency that can be exchanged for uh, like loyalty points or anything like that with the phone right. app? Right. So, uh, so we've been approached by people who wanted to do that a few times. Okay. Um, and we did consider it, but I think where we stand right now is Bitcoin is already a great denomination for rewards points, and 
you know, our, our, the whole the whole premise, I think, of our company, kind of the, the core of what we're doing, is we're taking these underutilized uh, assets and 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 giving them to people in store so that they can spend them. And I think I I don't really want to give people an asset that they're not going to spend. Okay. So so the idea of like making a fold reward coin kind of kind of rubs me the wrong way. Um, when we could just give out Bitcoin as a reward. Right. That makes sense. Um. You spoke about having um, a, a rollout to a limited number of people. Yep. Are you still accepting uh, invitations for people to sign up to be a part of that rollout initiative? Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, if you go to foldapp.com and, uh, you know, drop in your email, uh, you will be on the list. Um, you know, to, if, if you reach out to us, if you're really excited, uh, you know, the people we hear from are typically the people we uh, we uh, bring in first. Um, okay. So yeah, uh, you know, by all means, you can check out coffee.foldapp.com and uh, actually spend with Starbucks. Will do. And actually, I was going to say there um, is there a standard twenty percent discount on each uh, Starbucks uh, purchase? Yes, yeah, so every Starbucks purchase, you save twenty percent across the board. Okay. Now that's that's easy to do, listeners. I know you all <laughs> drink a lot of coffee out there. Those Starbucks, they pretty pretty full. Yeah, so, Starbucks gets a lot more affordable after that twenty percent discount. So absolutely, five cups and that's a free coffee. That's right. All right. Um, anything else you want to share with the listeners, Matt? Before we let you go, check out the app. Um, and uh, you know, if you tweeted us or whatever, we'll uh, pay for your first coffee. So do that. Well, great, Matt. Tell us how uh, people can reach you. Sure. Yeah. So on Twitter, we're uh, you know fold underscore app. Uh, we're also on Facebook. And, uh, you know, just reference that Matt said he'd give away free coffee and, and you'll get it. So And your website again for everyone? Oh, yeah, of course. For Starbucks, it's coffee.foldapp.com. And if you want to get in on the beta for Target and Whole Foods, uh, put in an email at foldapp.com. Well, good. Well, Matt, we definitely appreciate your time. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Startup. Contents for the show was provided by Matt and Mike. If you are a founder of a startup and would like to appear on the show, please email Mike Payer, that's M-I-K-E-P-A-I-R at gmail.com to schedule an interview. Also, now we can be found in the iTunes store. Please search for the startup pair. That's the startup P-A-I-R. Thank you.